and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. If you're not sure what a mystical business owner is, here's what it is. If you are working as a tarot card reader, an astrologer, a Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, an oracle, a medium, you know, any kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you. I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. Hello and welcome, everyone. We're so glad you're here. So Teresa and I have both been self-employed and running our own businesses for years. We won't tell you how many years because it's a lot. <laughs> we know what goes into running a successful business. We, we've got some vanity, y'all. We know what goes into running a successful business, and we know what it takes to get your business afloat and growing as well because we've done that we have been there. And, yeah, we've been at it a long time, but we don't need to give away our age, right? Um, right. <laughs> and, you know, we've been doing this show together now for, uh, I think it's four years, and next year is going to be our fifth year. But we've been That's doing right. this, yes, can't believe it. Hey, isn't that weird, four years? Um, so but we've awesome. been doing this for a month. For, I, I just keep laughing because it's so weird. It just doesn't seem this long. Um, no. We do this, but we love we love talking about business. We love sharing all the things that we've learned over the years with our fellow mystical entrepreneurs because, you know, ultimately what we're all about is seeing you guys thrive and succeed. And really in each episode of Talking Shop, what we're doing is we are gathering experts. We're covering different topics. We're, you know, bringing it all together to help you to become really a well-rounded business entrepreneur or to tackle all these different topics that you have questions about. And tonight's topic is Bookum. We're talking all about writing and publishing. So thanks, everyone, to, for listening in, and let's get this show started. Bree, let's get it yes. started, lady. Let's do it. All right. So I am, as I told you, I'm going to start at the, with the last question that I have. Um, for you, which is you have to tell us, right? You've got to tell us the story behind your book and what the process has been for you from beginning to end. So for those of you who don't know, this is huge. Teresa's first book, the Tarot Coloring Book, is out. Now you can, you can order it off of Amazon. We're starting to see it in the wild. The official release date was what, November? November 1st. November 1st, so right with Yodelis Marches and Salwin, very magical, and it is phenomenal. It is, I've been talking about it, I've Instagrammed um, about it, and I've tweeted about it um, because I was very lucky and I got a review copy. I'll also be doing an uh, exhaustive review on it on my site. I've already put one up on Goodreads, so it's phenomenal. It's just, Teresa has done such an amazing job. We all know she rocks the world of tarot, but this book is just hands down my absolute most favorite tarot book. So we want to know, Teresa, like you have gone, you have just gone through this process of publishing. So tell us all about it. Well, thanks, Bree. I am so tickled pink to have my book out there in the world right now. And, you know, whenever you start thinking about writing a book, I think for most of us, it's a pretty intimidating process, and I've had ideas for a while about different types of tarot books that I've wanted to do, and I was really fortunate to connect with the good people at Sounds True Publishing. They are just the most phenomenal publishers, and when I started talking with them about a tarot book, you know, we had 
given them a proposal and we've gone back and forth a little bit and you know my acquisitions editor said you know what do you think about a coloring book and I'm like well that's a really brilliant idea because when I was learning yoga my um, the hardest thing for me was learning the anatomy and I got to tell you I struggled with that it just was not my forte And what I ended up doing was I got this thing called the Anatomy Coloring Book. It's a very, very famous book. It's been around for eons. And I used that to help me to understand the anatomy. And by coloring it in, I got it. Well, what ended up happening then is I aced my anatomy. I think I got the highest uh, grade in the class. <laughs> I got serious study, lady. And, you know, so when when my acquisitions editor started talking about this, right away, that's the first thing I thought about. I'm like, of course. Of course, this is a way for people to learn, for people who are experiential learners like myself. And I've okay. always been an experiential learner because I have hearing issues. You know, a lot of people don't know that because it's not really obvious. But I do have hearing issues. I've had hearing issues since I've been a very little girl. And so for me, learning always works best, not when I'm just sitting and listening, but when I'm actually getting involved hands-on. And so for me, the anatomy coloring book really was uh, a way for me to get that cemented into my skull. And so for tarot people, especially people who are new and intimidated by tarot, the tarot coloring book allows you to get your hands on those cards and to look deeply into them. And coloring is a really meditative act, so it's very favorable for, you know, again, absorbing the information. And also the book Mm -hmm. is really fun and playful like me. So that's a little bit about the book. So anyhow, the idea came, you know, from both of me talking with them and blah, blah, blah. And so from there then they said, well, can you get – can you get us something by December? This was last year. And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely, because uh, I'm a fast writer. I've got really good writing habits because I've been blogging for years, and I blog prolific, as you know. So mm-hmm. for me, what I did is I disciplined myself. I got down. I knuckled down. I got the book done. And then what I did is I passed it through a few eyes before I turned it over to the editor. And so I, uh, of course, had my right-hand woman, Alexandra Franzen, look at my work and make suggestions. And, you know, I trust her. She's going to let me know if I really sound like an idiot. And she came back and said, this is really good. You know, and I said, oh, good. Um, if she thinks it's good, then I know it's good. And then after that, I went through it again, and then I handed it off to Megan Lang. Megan Lang is my daughter, but she also does editing. And... um she is like the queen of editing. There's nobody I trust more with editing than her. And she went over and she goes, Mom, you have a comma problem. But <laughs> she, said other, <laughs> she said other than that, she said this book is really good. It kept my attention. It's fun. It's, you know, she really, really enjoyed it. And she, you know, of course, has grown up with tarot around her all her life. So she also knows enough about tarot that she was also able to go through and and also give me some feedback on some things that she thought. So then I went over it one more time and then sent it back to Sounds True. And then Sounds True accepted the manuscript, and then they had to go through with their editors. So then we went through a couple more rounds of edits, and then we went through design. And then after design, then it went to the proofreader. And then the proofreader sent me a copy. Then I had to proofread it again, and I had to, like, mark up some things. No, I don't like this. Please add that. No, I don't like that. 
et cetera, et cetera. And then finally it was one more back to the proofreader and editor, once more back to me just to make sure. And then it went off to the printers. And ta-da, it was done. So it's a huge process. And, you know, Bree, after all of that, now it's about really promoting it and marketing it and getting people to know about it and teaching people how to work with it. So it is an Mm -hmm. ongoing process. Once a book is done, it's not just done. Then it really is about you um, helping people to know about it and to make the most out of it. So in a nutshell, boy, that was a long-winded answer. That's the story no, from beginning great. to end. That I love it. I love it, and I think that I, it, you know, it was awesome because I covered really so much ground. You know, I, and I think that the point that you made at the very end. I mean, first of all, you had Alexander Franzen, who we've had on the show, and she's a copywriter, a beloved, very popular copywriter. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that we're seeing more and more in publishing. Uh, people, authors, either working directly with copywriters or hiring a copywriter to go over a finished written product, right, mm-hmm. and and troubleshoot it, basically. And so I think that's that's a huge piece of information because I think a lot of people um, start their book idea. You know, they have an idea, they they want to write something, and then they get, um, you know, they feel like they have to do it by themselves. Like they can't right. have help. And so I love the fact that you brought up the way that you worked with Alexandra. Um, and then also your daughter, you know, David, my husband, does all of my editing. Yep. And um, I, it's really handy to have an editor in your life, whether it's a family member or a friend or whoever. You know, again, this is – it's not – a book is not a project that is a solo endeavor. It really is a team project with the author leading the way. And so I love the fact that you brought them in, of course. And then also that you pointed out that at the end, now that the book is published, it's sort of like the whole next right. part of the journey starts, which I think a lot of people forget about, right? The goal oh, yeah. is just to get it published. And then it's like, well, no, there's a, there's a whole – other aspect that now has to take front and center. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing I think also that people, first of all, there's a whole lot of concepts that people have. First of all, I think a lot of us think it's really hard to write a book, and it is challenging. It really is. So I'm not going to, like, diminish it. But once you get into your groove, I think, you know, most writers would probably agree, once you're in that groove, it does come, it spills out of you. I almost felt like I channeled the book. You know, but mm-hmm. what we, what also people don't understand is in addition to, Really having other eyes look at it. I think you have to have other eyes look at it because, you know, here's the thing. Even when you get into your groove, you're in your head, and it is so important to have other eyes look at it, whether it be, like you said, a family member or a trusted right-hand woman like Alexandra Franzen or a good friend. It's super important because, you know, when I get into my own head, I get into my own head, and one of the things that I know uh, after – we went through all these eyes. The editor and I, when we started working, here's another eye going through it. Well, the one thing, mm-hmm. you know, they pointed out, my pop culture references, we had to, like, really scale back on that. I am a pop culture junkie. And they had mm-hmm. to give me their feedback on why we can't have all that. You know, so that's something, again, we don't think about. We get in our own heads. So um, you do need other people to look at it. And even when you don't have other people look at it, when you go to your 
your the book going to getting finished, you are going to get an editor and a proofreader, especially if you have a good publisher, because you need, again, and they know that you need all these different eyes to go over it. You've got to look for spelling errors. You've got to look for typos. There's so many things to look at, so many mm-hmm. things. So all those eyes yeah. are important. And I really That's do huge. think it is, it's important to have also people who think differently than you look at the book. And I'll tell you why. My daughter and I, we have very different brains. Even though she's had, you know, a terrible background from growing up, growing up with me, she's got an MFA in creative writing. Her specialty is historical fiction. And she is an editing nerd. She loves grammar. Mm-hmm. She corrects my grammar all the time. <laughs> so having someone from a different brain like that go over my work is really helpful. Because, again, you get suggestions. Yeah. She was able to come back and say, you know what, I don't like the way you worded this. Can Here's why. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, duh. Yeah, you know, so. yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been there. I've been there so many times. Yeah. So I want to take a, I want to take a step back because we're talking about the process of getting the book published. But for some people – we have a we have a a challenge way way before we even get to the world of book and book writing, which is just writing, period, writing. And so I want to talk for a little bit about how you get started. How do you get started writing, and how do you develop good writing habits? You know, you mentioned when you were talking about the book that you were, I mean, they gave you a very tight deadline. And, you know, I remember we were behind the scenes talking about stuff. And, you know, I remember when you got that deadline, but you were absolutely stone cold confident. You knew that you could get it done. Mm -hmm. And it was because, as you said, you have really good writing habits. And we've roomed together. And Mm -hmm. so I've seen your writing habits firsthand. You know, I've seen you get up in the morning, early in the morning, just like I do, right? We're both early risers and hit that computer and you're writing Mm -hmm. first thing. And so tell us a little bit about how you get started. You know, were you intimidated the first time you put something, you wrote something or did it feel really natural to you? And then how do you develop those good writing habits? Okay. Well, here's, you know, I've always enjoyed writing, but when I started blogging, that was when I first started writing publicly because anything I wrote, you know, before was just my own private junk, my own little thoughts. Right. Journaling. Right. You know, I, I love to journal. I'm really, really into journaling. Um, but anyhow, that was the first time. And when I first began blogging, I was very sporadic. I was very nervous. I was a little timid. I didn't know what I was doing. I was scared of the Internet, you know, all that stupid stuff. Um, so yeah. there was a lot of trepidation there. But then I just started recognizing that, wow, a couple people are showing up at my site because somebody's reading this stuff. So it must be striking a chord. So I just started writing more regularly. And it was usually about like once every other week or once a week in the beginning. And then what ended up happening with that and social media, I found that people started enjoying my writing and I started getting emails from people that maybe I touched a nerve or maybe something I wrote impacted them. And so I knew then that, okay, somewhere here I'm I'm helping somebody. So 
So I'm just going to really commit. And that's really what it came down to. I started really committing because I really started thinking that there might be people out there who could get help from something I write, whether it is a tarot tutorial, whether it is something on business, or whether it is one of my other musings, like my hit list thing. Uh, I just really started sitting down and I wrote out a calendar for myself. I created my marketing calendar and I changed my marketing calendar every once in a while. But set something up for myself. I started getting up really early in the morning so I'd have time just to devote to writing on my blog. And, you know, it really came down to that, having a calendar and having an enforced schedule where I got up and I just wrote. And it just becomes a habit like brushing your teeth or like doing my yoga practice. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I know that Mm -hmm. when I get up and I do yoga and I stretch my hips because I have very, very problematic hips, I know that the rest of the day I'm going to feel good. And I know when I get up and I do my writing, the rest of the day I'm going to feel good because I got it done. So those habits all came into place because I just committed to them. And that's really what it's about. When you have a marketing calendar or an editorial calendar, whatever you want to call it, um, and you know that you have to get these things done, or you tell yourself you have to get this done, <laughs> and then you get mm-hmm. up and do it, it really just becomes natural. I don't even think twice about it anymore, Bree. I just simply do it. Yeah. So for the book, what I did then, when I got my deadline, and I got a word count deadline, so I had an exact word count that I had to make. I couldn't go over it. They had a very specific thing because they didn't want the book to be too big. They wanted space. So there's places for people to write and do stuff. So... I had to, like, then figure out, okay, how many words a day can I write in order to meet this deadline? So I sat down and I did the numbers, and I created a little schedule for myself that I would do X amount of pages a day on the book, and that's what I did. So that is how I plowed through that. Love it. All discipline. What about you? You know, what are what is your advice about you know, your writing habits, I mean, how do you, because you write a lot, you're doing this wonderful 20 questions tarot, which is so unique and fabulous. Speaking of good tarot tools, how are you getting all this stuff done? I mean, you've got a lot of stuff under your belt. What is your advice for our audience? I do. I do. You know, um, well, I think what you said is absolutely right. I think having an editorial calendar which for those of you who are like, what the hell is an editorial calendar? It's basically a calendar. And the one that I have fits into my silo facts. And it's just a little like standalone booklet that's a month at a glance calendar. And, you know, you, you pick, it can just be once a week, right? Or it can be several times a week. Um, but you have dates and you have topics that you're going to address. So for mine, you know, two of the dates that are always on my calendar are the new moon and the full moon. I always send out right. a new letter on the full moon. And that's a pretty, it's a, it's a, it's like, it breaks all of the rules of what you're told to do for internet writing. Like it's not short. It's not pithy or witty. Um, it's long. It's discursive. Um, and people love it. Like, you know, people like, like read it. They have a whole little ritual when it comes out. I've heard from many people who have told me this. I get lots of emails every time one goes out. Um, it basically is like, you know, this is just what I needed to hear about today. So that's on my editorial calendar. 
um, a new moon blessing is always on my editorial calendar, right? I send that out um, every day. Um, and so, you know, there are, there are things like that. And I think having those guidelines in place where you look at the calendar and you're like, okay, I know what needs to happen today um, is, is really, really useful. Now, you know, I have a young child. I have a five-year-old. And so writing has always been something that I've done, and it's always been something that I've been disciplined about. But when you have a young child, as you know, Teresa, because you had one, you had two, um, yep. You know, you're, you gotta roll with your, your flat, your schedule has to be a little bit more flexible. Um, right. you know, so like, as sure as anything, the, the morning when you wake up an hour early to do your writing is the morning when he wakes up with a tummy ache. And so you, you know, you have to learn how to, to roll with that. And there are lots of authors who have talked about how um, you know, they snatch time here and there. And I think that that's good, but I do prefer having a period that is just dedicated to writing. So now that he's in school, it's a lot easier because I can say, okay, you know, from 8.30 to 9.30 is writing time, and that's right. all I'm doing. Um, and so that's what I do now. And as a result, I've been able to get back to blogging. I kind of took I kept my my letters that go out to all of to my list. I kept I've always been consistent with those, um, and I've always been consistent with creating ebooks and courses and classes, um, and doing all the writing for my site. But I did take a hiatus from my blog just because there was a point there where it was like I wasn't going to be able to bring the depth that I wanted to bring to that. So I think that, you know, besides having a dedicated time when you write, even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's 15 minutes, you know, a lot can be accomplished in 10 or 15 minutes if you take it every single day. For those of you who are really busy, um, don't think that, like, your 10 minutes isn't worth anything because it absolutely is. And and also, I think having having guidelines of what what is due when is super helpful, um, and then being willing to take certain things off the table. You know, like there are many different places where we can ply the craft of writing, and so it's okay to not do social media for a while if you need to focus on writing for a class or a course or a book. Okay. It's okay to take a break from your blog if you need to, you know, be writing articles to get published in a magazine because you have a bunch of deadlines that you've got to make. You know, so it's, it's cool to take things off the table. You just want to have clarity and intentionality um, behind that. And so I think that that, you know, that for me has really been the key to being able to consistently create content in all the different ways. Right on. By the way, Arwen sent in a little question for us. We talked yeah, a minute about that, that promo stuff. We're going to come back to uh, this blogging talk and stuff in a little bit. Um, but she wanted to ask, how much publicity does your publisher provide? I know that in the fiction world, that's diminished greatly in the past eight years. And congratulations on your book. <laughs> Hi, Arlene. Aww. 
we, my publisher has been pretty phenomenal. They are super, super supportive. And, you know, they've been working with me with social media, with everything to, you know, really encourage me and support me. So I found that for me, I've been getting some really good solid help. Now, I do know other people who've been published by different authors who haven't got gotten very much help. Um, from their publisher, you know, like some publishers, they get the book out and they drop you. That does happen. So mm-hmm. my thing that I would probably say to anybody who is getting a book out there, and if you're getting traditionally published, is you should probably really plan whether or not your publisher does provide support really promoting the heck out of it yourself. You should actually be doing a lot of that yourself because um, I do know that like book tours, most publishers don't do anything for that unless you're like a big name celebrity. You know, I am certainly, uh, you know, no Stephen King, so that's not going to be happening here. So my book tour is something that I put together myself. And, you know, so there are some things you're going to have to do yourself, but you're going to have to promote, 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 promote. You know, they're only going to do so much. It's not like, like she said, it's not like it was eight years ago with any publisher, unless you are some kind of a big-name celebrity. So I hope that answers the question. My publisher's been fabulous. A lot of publishers aren't. um, But even if they weren't fabulous, I'd still be promoting the heck out of it. I'm doing a lot on my end. So... And I, I would say, I would say too, you know, if you look at book proposal guidelines yeah. from a lot of publishers of nonfiction work, you will see that they're, they actually want a section in that proposal that talks about your plan yep. for marketing and promoting your title. Absolutely. So, so there, there is an expectation now, and I really do feel like it's industry wide that yep you have some kind of promotional uh, plan in place. And, you know, that's another area where I would just re- remind people that, like, you don't have to do it on your own, you know. Right. One and of the things just, I think you've done, Teresa, is you've partnered up with people. Like, you're going to go to the Boston Tea Room, right? Yep. I'm teaching so, in a couple different locations to promote the book, you know, and I'm working with, like, Courtney Webb. We both have books coming out on the same day to do a little giveaway together. Um yeah, so there, you've got to really, you've got to have a plan in place. And, you know, here's what I see too many people doing is they put out a book and maybe they'll have a little launch party and then they do nothing, nothing yeah. else. You can't just expect that unless you are, you know, again, Stephen King, you cannot expect that you can just drop it like you lay an egg and there it is. You know, you've got mm-hmm. to really be willing to tell people about your book, to talk about it. Of yeah, and if and if promotion is something that you know, if if worries around promoting your material is something that you're concerned about, you know, there are people we've had some of them on the show who who that's their bag, you know, that's their specialty, and so there are people that you can hire that will help you with that particular piece. If you're an introverted person and you're like, oh my god, the thought of coming up with a marketing plan makes me want to like pull my hair out, there are people out there who are happy. To help you, they love to talk about marketing and promotion. Love it. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm one of those people I love, love everything about marketing. I enjoy the heck out of it. 
And in fact, I was just uh, doing some private mentoring with somebody and helping her with some ideas about marketing her book. It's nothing to do with mystical stuff. It's a really unique book. Uh, I don't want to give it away because I want to keep her privacy. And <laughs> so it's something completely different. And we, I came up with all these ideas, and I'm like, oh my god, this book! You can do so many cool things with it. And you know, you just have to do some creative thinking. And if you are not good at that, find somebody for Pete's sake who can help you with it and get some ideas, get some fun things going about it. You know, you got to promote your book. You can't just, ta-da, here it is, and hope that it does well. You can't cross your fingers. People have to hear about it. they got to know it exists. That's it. So here's one thing that I want to ask you, because your 20 questions tarot I think is so cool. You know, since we're talking about books and all this stuff, you know, how do you come up with your ideas? I mean, that is such a great idea. How do you keep ideas flowing? I think a lot of people are curious about how to stay inspired, whether you're blogging or doing any kind of writing. Oh, it is such a good question. You know, I, like, I, if I have anything, I have, like, idea overload. Um, <laughs> I have, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, ideas, I'm trying to, like, grab you all before, you know, you fall to the ground like snow and you melt and disappear. Um, that That is really how I feel very much of the time. So, you know, there's there's two things I would say. I always have some kind of planner. This year, I told you guys last month that I switched from the Hello Kitty um, to a Philofax, which I have now nicknamed Little Red. And <laughs> Little Red is where I keep. She's so awesome. I love her. And Little Red is where I keep all of my um, ideas. So if I have an idea for something, I'll jot it down. Um, right. And I just have a, I have a running list of ideas that I jot down. There, mm-hmm. So that's the first one is, is just keeping a list and keeping it somewhere. You know, I do it manually. I don't I've, – I've experimented with Evernote. I've experimented with a lot of different, like, online. And I just want to be able to write it down on a Post-it note and then, mm-hmm. like, put it onto a, you know, piece of paper that lives in the Philofax and that and there it is. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is you really have to give your ideas time, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Or at least I do. So 20 question to row is an idea that I had last year. I had it like last, uh, spring of like 2016. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, that is a really awesome concept. And I don't know how it's going to look. I didn't know if it would be an intensive training. I didn't know if it would be, um, uh, you know, a course, like a longer course. I didn't know if it would be something that I did via phone or if it would be web-based. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And, you know, I knew that there was something there, but the what, the, the how I was going to deliver it and what it would actually look like, I wasn't clear on. And so I just mm-hmm. kept it, you know, I kept it on my list. And then one day, in uh, August, basically, you know, in, in late July of this year, I woke up and I was like, oh, this is how 20 okay. Question Tarot is going to work. Okay, great. Now I know. And so, and, and you know, I have an idea right now uh, around working with fortune and the concept of fortune. And I don't know what it's going to look like yet, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm percolating on it, but it's on my list. So I do keep a running 
Tally, you know, another another one that I did was the Delphic Days, where we did group yeah. to row readings and divinations on civic issues. Um, that was something I had like two years ago. And then I was like, okay, finally, now I know how I want this to look. And then the third thing that I do is, because I'm a Libra, and so my fellow Gemini air sign gets this, like, I like to have flexibility. You know, I, I need to have containers in my business where I can bring in these new ideas and I can test drive them and I can see how I like them. So, you know, I have an Astro RX offer on my site and it changes every now and then because I, I change up what I want to do astrologically. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the kinds of tarot readings that I offer. You know, there's, a, there's so many amazing people that you can go to, like Teresa, if you want a, a tarot reading. Um, but like right now, the tarot reading that I'm offering is an ancestor tarot reading where we work with the cards and we contact your ancestors. So like I, I like to build containers where I can switch stuff around. And, and that, I find that that also keeps the ideas flowing. I find that if I'm in a, if I've got containers that are too rigid and, and not movable enough, then the flow of ideas can start to become a little bit blocked and, and, and a little bit sluggish. And so those are the three things that I would say. What about you, Teresa? Tell us, because you have a bunch of things going on, too. Like the Tarot Coloring book is the one that we're all super thrilled about right now. But, I mean, you have a bunch of different series on your blog. You've got lots of different courses. Right on, and, and you know, and I change things up on the blog too. Like I'll do a series for a while, then I I feel like I want to do a different series. So I'm constantly evolving, and sometimes just like you, it's the same thing. I'll get an idea, I get a bee in my bonnet, I like to call it. I write it down, I sit on it, I'll come back to it later. Now my Tarot by the Mouthful series, which I uh, finished up this year, I had that in the back of my brain for a long time. I knew I wanted to do. So, you know, I wanted to go through all 78 cards with a food-related theme to it uh, because of my passion for cooking. It's something I'm really into. And then finally one day I said, it feels right. And I ended up connecting with my friend Kyle Cherick. He's the host of Wisconsin Foodie, which, by the way, they just got nominated for an Emmy. I'm so, so proud of him. And Kyle and I started talking. I told him about my idea, and he goes, I want to get in on this whole thing. I said, what? Are you crazy? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm into this. And so Kyle and I then worked together for 78 weeks to go through this series. And it was just a series that was a passion for me. You know, some people really loved it. And we just had such a great time doing it. And I learned so much about food and tarot by playing with it. But, again, it was an idea that sat there. And I've got other ideas that are sitting that need to wait until mm -hmm. I finish up the series that I'm on now. And I've got a couple different series. I'm breaking down the Celtic Cross. I want to go through that. Um, I've got a couple more months before. I think it might take me another good six months, and that one will be done. Uh, but I'm also doing a very involved astrology series for beginners, which will probably be going on a number of years. And, you know, just I like mixing things up I, as I feel. And so, again, flexibility, I agree. I agree with everything that you said here. Really, everything that you said. Yeah, be a yeah. I think I think I think flex I think flexibility is is often just so so helpful. So we've both talked about blogs, and I'm sure you've heard. I've heard that blogging is dead, um, which I think is nonsense. But 
you know, it's a really good way, especially on the web, to hone your craft as a writer. So I want to talk about blogging. And and I know you don't think blogging is dead, so I want you to tell us why. And I also want you to talk to us a little bit about why you should blog for your business. Excellent question. By the way, Bonnie sent in a question, too, that I want to read because it, it ties right into this question that you just asked. The question that Bonnie oh, asked is, I love it when, by the way, I love it when people send in these questions, guys. That's what we're here for. Her question mm-hmm. is, do you find that blogging regularly is good for expanding your business and reaching out to new clients? Or is it something that you do for other reasons, to provide information to your clients, for example, or just as a way of contributing to a dialogue within the community? So this really fits in nicely to your question, Bree. And the answer is, uh, again, blogging does help you to become a better writer. Yes, absolutely. For me, it really taught me a lot about writing. Uh, but it is so good for your business. It is absolutely wonderful for so many different reasons. You know, when you are out there blogging, the one thing is you are putting information out there, you know, and hopefully that's the reason why you're doing it is just to put information out there. You know, but um, people find that and oftentimes it really helps them. It doesn't always necessarily mean they're going to do business with you, but if you're out there and you're helping um I do think if you're being a helpful person, that's that's very good for your business. Um, it is good for attracting clients. But, you know, ultimately it's also a great way for you to show your expertise as well. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, blogging can cover – there's so many different reasons why it can cover. There's so many different reasons why you should blog. You should blog to reach clients. You should blog to share information. You should blog to show that you know what you're talking about. You know, you can talk forever about why you should. Uh, you can – do it just to become a better writer, but I really think if you are not blogging, you're missing out on so much. You know, for me, it's a way to communicate. It's a way to communicate mm-hmm. with people and to connect. You know, one of the features that I do regularly is on Monday, it's my sole proprietor uh, uh, series, and it's always talking yeah. about business. And what people don't realize is I get so much fan mail from those which is so interesting to me. It doesn't always mean that people are going to want to like hire me for something, but the fan mail I get from that is phenomenal, and it just makes my heart so happy to know that I'm putting information out there that's helping my tribe to be better with their business. You know, and then there's other things I write that are very much geared to helping clients, like, for example, helping clients to ask better questions or helping mm-hmm. clients to find the reader who's right for them or to understand how tarot works. So they're coming into it as a as a as an informed consumer. So that's out there, and some of the stuff I put out there, you know, probably does attract people for uh, you know business. I, I've got like a lot of people who like to read my hit list, which is more like it's a potpourri of whatever I feel like writing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Oftentimes I'll write stuff that's really humorous too. Like I wrote this one uh, post about taking pregnancy tests when you are going through the change of life. And I, you know, had a lot of people who loved the post because it was humorous, it was helpful, and, you know, it did lead to some business. So you just don't know. Um, I don't think you should look at it for um, a reason like, oh, i got to do this because I just want to, you know, get business. You should look at it as a way to communicate. And if it does lead to business, that's great. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I agree. And, you know, I, I would like to answer her question, too, um, from coming from the point of view of somebody who 
did blog prolifically, and then, as I said, I took some time off from my blog, especially um, last year and the first half of this year, because I was developing courses and I was teaching a lot, and I had a really full teaching plate. And, I mean, and I love teaching, and I have two year-long courses that I teach um, that I, you know, I'm just absolutely 100% committed to and in love with the students who do them. But blogging had fallen to the wayside. And so, uh, you know, a couple months ago, I started picking it back up. I'm still not a prolific blogger um, because I I have my writing in a lot of other places as well. But I have been blogging more. And I have to say that energetically, it feels, it does make your business feel more alive. Mm-hmm. And and it and I think that's because you are creating new content and you are creating fresh content on some kind of a regular schedule. But I also think I think blogging is weaving a web. And so when we blog often we will connect, we will have links that go to other parts of our website, right? Articles we've written, resources that we have for people, in some cases offerings that we have available. Um, but we also can mention other people. You know, Teresa, you mentioned your hit list, and this is something you do so beautifully. Like, you can mention people who are doing stuff that you're really into. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, you can throw their website out there. You can, like, throw their product out there. And, and that is a really beautiful and organic way to grow your community and to not feel like you're sitting at your desk in your attic by yourself running a business with no, uh, you know, colleagues and but right. to actually start to build collegiality. So I think that there's, you know, an internal weaving that happens with respect to like pointing people to different parts of your website. Um, but I also think that there is an external weaving that happens where, you know, you're able to say, hey, check out the tarot lady. If you haven't seen her stuff, she's got this great new book. And that makes people feel really, really good. So mm-hmm. I think that that is that's, – that's a really huge thing, you know, that, that really does, like, revivify the your business um, and bring, like, a new current of energy into it. And then, like Teresa said, it does really hone your craft because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a study that was done. This is so interesting. My husband and I talk about this a lot. There was a study that was done on pottery, and they took, an, uh, they took a group of people, and they had half the class make one pot, the most beautiful pot that they could make, the most masterful pot that they could do. And in the same amount of time, they had the other group of people make as many pots as they could. Didn't care about quality, we're just doing quantity, right, as many as you can. And what they discovered at the end was that the people who had made as many pots as possible had a, their, their final pots were as good, if not better, than the one pot that, you know, had really been labored over. Which is not to say you shouldn't labor over something you really love, but blogging is writing consistently. And the more you write, the better writer you become. Right on. Right on. And also, too, you know, it does help, when you said it helps make your, your site remain fresh, 
Uh, it really does also for SEO purposes. If you're going to go just yes. by looking to benefit your business, if you're writing fresh content and putting fresh things up all the time, you know, Google pays attention to that. They're like, oh, hey, something's going on over here. You know, so it is smart if you're going to do it just for that. You know, ultimately, I think for me, it's about I want to share information. That's my Gemini thing. And that's what motivates me. I want to share information. I want to help people. I do, that's why I do what I do, and I think that's what you do, what you do as well. And if it is totally. good for a business, it is. And, and you know, and I blog a lot, and I think my blog has been um, very good for my business. But, you know, mm-hmm. mostly it's really helped me to become a faster, better writer. You know, um, let me ask you this. How often do you think people need to blog? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that's a good – you know, I think that it's perfectly fine to do one or two posts a week. I don't think it has to be an everyday kind of thing. Um, sometimes I'll do a post, and if it's a longer post, like I have a post on lodestones, and I just wanted to get really in depth with it. And it probably I probably should have like turned it into an e- into an ebook, but I just wanted it to be a blog post. And I think after I wrote that, I didn't like blog for two weeks because I was like, this is a long post, and y'all have enough information to rock with for a while. So, you know, I think once to twice a week is perfectly awesome. Now, if you have the time, um, you know, then by all means, make it something that is daily. I have a backlog of questions that people ask me via email that I'm going to blog on. And and so and and that's another really neat tip is you know if people are writing you questions on social media or via email, um, you know I had somebody who wrote me uh, an email and was like, how do you make a prayer bundle for somebody to support someone who is self harming? And I thought oh that's a great topic. So I'm I'm in the process of writing a blog about that. But what about you, Teresa? You're very prolific. So what do you think? What's the minimum? Well, here's interesting. Mary Ellen from West Palm Beach also sent in this question. Right as we are uh, talking about this, I noticed that the question she asked was, how often should I blog, once a week, once a month? I think the minimum you should blog is twice a month, the minimum. And that's enough to get Google on your site, paying attention. And, you know, that's enough. And for most people, that's doable, twice a month. I think most of us can... Start out there anyhow. If you can do once a week, I really, really love that. I think that keeps you keeps your chops sharp as a writer, and it keeps you inspired, and it keeps people noticing something's going on over there. Hey, what's going on? I want to see where there's something going on. You know, so I think that is a good rule of thumb. If you want to blog more like I do, you know, if you're a little insane like I am, <laughs> by all means. But it really means you've got to be pretty darn disciplined. And a lot of people, you know, that are running mystical businesses, a lot of them do have full-time jobs or they do have kids or they've got a lot going on, so that might be too much for you. You know, but twice a month I think most of us can do. I think that's the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. That's great advice. Right on. So then what kinds of, since we're on the blog, we're on the blog circuit, what kinds of articles should your blog contain? Like what, what, do you, what do you write about? You know, that's really going to depend on who your audience is. That's what you have to start thinking about. Who is it that I want to write for? Now, you might have a real mm-hmm. specific type. Let's say, for example, you know, 
your whole thing is that you really want to attract um, moms. So maybe your posts are going to be things that are just really specific to moms. You know, and that's totally fine. Um, so you might want to write an article, you know, about taking care of your child. You might want to write about the mystical way of taking care of your child. You know, whatever the case may be. I'm using this as a pretty lame example, but you get that. Um, think about who your audience is and let that start. Or think about, you know, your profession. What might people, like you said, they send you questions all the time. What is it that they're curious about that you can educate them about? You know, so those are those are places to start. For me, I write a bunch of different topics because, A, I'm a Gemini, and I've got a lot of different things I'm interested in. And <laughs> B, I do have a, I have a variety. I have a varied audience. I remember one time I was at a blogging workshop, and this gal who's running the workshop said, so who's your, your niche? And I said, well, gee, I've got a pretty wide niche, you know, 18 to 75 and homemaker to CEO. She goes, no, 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 you've got to narrow it down. I said, I can't. Yeah. So I think she thought I was a real idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's what works for me. I love talking about business. I love talking humor stuff. You know, um, I think Erica Learmark is the person who said, you need to have some funny stuff on there because you're funny. So, you know, I'm like, okay, sure. I love talking tarot stuff. I love talking astrology stuff. So for me, I mix it up. But mm -hmm. a general rule of thumb, find something that's going to appeal to who you, your intended audience is. Start there. And then see what that feels like. What do you think, Bree? Same do you agree or do you have a different rule of thumb? I do. I totally agree. I think that, you know, a good way to to get into to what your what would be awesome for you to blog about is to look at what you're offering. Right. Whether it's a free thing or it's a paid thing, look at what you're offering and think about what some of the basic, really basic questions you know, it's kind of like that they have you do this like in elementary school. If an alien came and you had to explain this to them, how would you explain it? And you can use that to kind of reverse engineer a question. So, you know, for a tarot reader, how to ask a good tarot question, how to ask a good question is a very good topic because somebody who's coming to your site may or may not be familiar with the tarot. And and if they're not, um, you as a reader would probably really appreciate it if they knew what makes a good question good. And they would probably appreciate knowing that as well. Um, you know, so think about like the really obvious, like what are the first things you would want someone to know. If you've been in business for a while and you have a blog, what are the pet peeves? Like, mm -hmm. oh, if one more person asks me this, I'm going to bust my head onto my computer screen. You know, maybe you need to blog about that. Like, that's a topic. Don't ask me about your lame ex-boyfriends anymore. Or mm -hmm. Hillary Perry did a really great post on, if you're afraid of getting a tarot reading, go get one. I loved it and I knew that she probably had just gotten like the 18th email that was like I really want to do this but I'm also really afraid and she was like okay I'm going to write about this topic because it's really big um, so and then the other thing are what are the questions that you get asked you know I like I said, I have a backlog. People email me. People, you know, hit me up on social media, and they have questions. And so I have a backlog of blog posts 
that, you know, come straight out of questions. And if you're pressed for time, you haven't gotten your writing routine down yet, you can do the same thing for blog post ideas that we talked about earlier. You know, you can have a sheet of paper or you can have a file on your computer that's just, these are good blog post topics. And and you have a, a growing list of them that then when you're like, oh, I don't have anything to write about, you can look at. And the final thing I would say about articles is, there are a lot of people who, who feel like, oh, that's been written about before. So, you know, the how to ask a good question in your Tarot reading is an article, is a topic that many different people have approached. Mm-hmm. Or how to cleanse and bless your Tarot deck. I just did a, a post on how to cleanse and bless a Tarot deck. That is a, that is a topic that many, many, many people have written about. Mm-hmm. But your people are there for you. And they're there for your voice. And so don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. You know, if it's a topic that's been talked about, um, but you haven't talked about it, and it's something that does come up in your community, then you probably need to address it. And if you want bonus points, find a way to address it that is not what you read everywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. So if every if everyone says like oh this is this is how you do blah 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 and you're like yeah I don't think that's quite right um, I would rather see it happen this way then then use that as your hook that's very compelling. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So you know you mentioned about your eBooks and I know that you've got some great eBooks they're gorgeous too. Um, what's your advice or what what's your process for creating an eBook, Bree? As do you, as do you. Yeah, we both do. Um, you know, same thing, basically. So I keep that running list of ideas, and sometimes the idea really wants to be an ebook, and that is, you know, something that can be downloaded or it can be emailed to people, and they have basically a lovely PDF. So I hired a designer. Actually, it's Cassandra who, Oswald, who does the Daily Blessings and all my site illustration. Um, I think that you know, you want to treat an ebook the way that you would treat a, a real book in the sense of you write it. Hopefully you have one or two people who can look over it. Hopefully out of that number, one of them can fix your comma problem that I share with Teresa. Um, you know, and, and so you really want to make sure that it, it's, you know, as tight grammatically as possible. Um, you know, you want to make sure, like, if you have images and stuff, you want to make sure that, that they're images that you're allowed to use, obviously. And then you want to have some kind of visual consistency. So some people would talk about this as brand consistency. But, you know, I was reading a post by Denise Duffield-Thomas, who she does the lucky bitch stuff, and she's hilarious. And she was like, you know, heads up, I still don't have a logo. But what I have is a color palette. And I thought, she's so right on about that. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to spend $1,000 to have a logo. But if you have a specific color, like if Teresa, um, you know, sent me an ebook and it was like hot pink and orange, I would be like, what happened to the tarot lady? Like, where's my purple and turquoise awesome? Um, You know, and if I sent Teresa a book that was like, baby blue and soft pastel pink, she would be like, what's going on with Brie? Mm -hmm. So I think having some kind of visual consistency, if you do have a logo, 
pull your logo and like have it designed so that there is a, a visual consistency and people know. And then the other thing that I think is so important that does not get talked about is you need to have links to your site, obviously, and you need to have an about page. And ebooks, if your ebook is something that you are going to have available for free or for a fixed price um, year after year, you need to at least once a year refresh it because chances are some of the links have changed and chances are your about page has changed. Kathy, at the beginning of this year, she was like, hey, we need to refresh the Daily Blessings ebook that you have that's free. And I was like, oh, we do? And she was like, yeah, you've had it up for a year and there have been some changes. We need to, like, pull those in. I didn't even think about that. So that's another part. Like, you need to be able to go in and do that. I recommend getting a template done or doing one yourself, and then you can fill in the content. And if you have one template that visually is consistent, you can do lots of different kinds of ebooks with that. So that's my take on it. Teresa, tell me about yours because you've done a lot, too. That's it. I actually follow the exact same thing as you. So I really don't even need to add anything to it. You know, it's like I write it out, then I make sure that I have other eyes look at it for my grammar issues, my comma problem. So I usually have Megan go over it or, you know, somebody else go over it to make sure that I haven't totally, you know, uh, wrecked it with <laughs> too many commas or not enough commas. And then I have a template that was designed by Christy Halmick that I use for all of my little ebooks. And, you know, and, and I also go in and update, which I probably should be updating some of the stuff that I got out there, too. So, yeah, it's the same same process, same process. So I don't think yeah. I have anything really to add to that. And, by the way, we are coming really close down to our wire. Do you have any other questions that we should ask? I think we should do we should do the final question, even if we go over a couple minutes, which is quickly let's discuss the benefits of self-published versus traditional publishing. Right on. Um, here's the thing. If you self-publish, you're in total control. You have complete, utter control. You get to decide how the book looks, how it's laid out. You get all of that. You also get to keep all of the money that you make. I have a friend who um, self-publishes her a, a bunch of Kindle books, e-books. And she makes a lot of money, by the way, a lot. And her books are super, super popular, and they do super well. And she does it all herself. She does have someone she hires to design her covers, but she's in total control of everything from start to finish. And it's been really worth it for her pocketbook. Um so that's the benefit of self-published. But the problem then is that you do have to do all the promotion. You do have to do all the work. And then it is all up on, it's all on you then on how successful or mm-hmm. not it's going to be. And you may not get the distribution either, you know, in the big stores mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you're, with a, when you're with a traditional publisher, you get the support, you get the help. If you're with a good publisher, um, they're going to help to promote the book. They're going to give you suggestions. They're gonna, you're going to get an editor. God bless editors. I love editors. Um, you know, you're going to get people helping you with the art. God bless the artist because I don't have, I don't have that talent. I have terrible taste. You know? <laughs> I need somebody to kind of rein, rein it in. So, and for me, a traditional publisher really helped me out a lot to make the book wonderful. So that's my mm-hmm. opinion. What do you think? I same thing. You know, the one thing that I would add to what you said is. If you self-publish, 
um, depending on what you're self-publishing, you will need to put up the cash for that. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're self-publishing like a deck of cards, uh, there are printing costs and shipping costs and like all of that you need to have the money for, which is fine. You know, you can have capital, but but that's what you're in for, and and that's in a way what you pay for the control. Um, and then I think what you said about distribution is really key. You know, what I've heard from all of my friends who have published is that. The money is really made in many cases in self-publishing. You make the money, you keep the money. Mm-hmm. But the distribution and the name recognition that goes hand in hand with conventional publishing routes is is its own value, right? It has its own huge value. And to see your book, Teresa, at Barnes & Noble, that's really awesome, too. So I think there's benefits to both, and I think it really depends on what do you want to accomplish with this project. You know, right, 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 right. And I think you know also to give people a little advice if you are going to work with a publisher. Uh, one thing I will say is be open-minded. Really be open-minded. Don't go in there like oh, I've got to have it a certain way. And you know, you want to look at it. It's a teamwork. It's a team effort then. And so I would really suggest then that you have a team mindset if you're going to go and do that because it's much different than just doing it on your own you know you do it on your own you get total control but if you're working with a publisher go in with an open mind be willing to work with them listen listen to their suggestions don't get so hung up on the way you think it should be that you cannot be open to a suggestion yeah oh i think that's huge that's that's important yeah so i think we need to wrap this show up you know, we've been going at this for an hour. Although, you know, Bree, we could probably talk another full hour about this subject because we have a lot of people around us who want to get a book published or they want to blog or, you know, they want to do all this stuff. So we could certainly revisit this at some point in the future, but I think we need to wrap this up. We do. I agree. So as you guys know, towards the end of each episode, we like to share a few fun tidbits like the books that we've been reading lately or the blogs that we're obsessed with, our favorite songs, our TV shows, food. You know, Teresa and I could talk about food. That could be a whole show, the food that <laughs> Teresa and we like. <laughs> Just fun things that we think you, our beautiful listeners, would enjoy discovering for yourselves. Sometimes the stuff we share is going to be business-related recommendations and sometimes not. So, you know, you can't just talk about business 24-7. Sure, you can. I know, right? Sure. We're like, what are you talking about? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So what is something that you've discovered recently or something you've been loving lately? Two things. I have this new book called In the Company of Women by Grace Bonney. And and Grace Bonney was the founder of Design Sponge, very popular site. It's a book of inspiration advice for entrepreneurs, artists, and makers, and it is fantastic and gorgeous to look at. And I also am totally into intuitive alchemy. Intuitive alchemy is kind of like Birchbox, but it is intuitively conjured boxes. So, I mean, it's like magic kits. And so you get like this kit, that, and you get a reading and all kinds of cool stuff, and intuitive alchemy is the uh, brainchild of Rhonda Regal, and I think it's just so smart and so cool. I got a box from her, a prosperity box, and it was just jam-packed with great stuff and 
so wonderful. Uh, you can find that at intuitivealchemy.cratejoy.com. I think this is going to be a gift idea for the holidays that would be very unique and different. So I, I think everybody needs to check this out. What about you? What's something that you're obsessed with these days? Ooh la la. Okay, so I also have two. The first thing is I'm actually more pop culture than you this time, which is stunning. Um, Westworld, I don't know if you guys, this is on HBO. It's so good. It's a series. I think there's four now. Anthony Hopkins is in it. It's freaky. It's robots. It's the future. It's awesome. Um, so that's the first thing. I've been really digging that. And then... The the second thing is Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab, which is a oil maker and perfumery out of L.A. Elizabeth Burial is the head mistress of it, I believe. They make wonderful oil concoctions. They came up with a very special scent after the third debate called Nasty Woman. <laughs> and... It's just awesome. It's really, really good. And the proceeds go to charity. I think they're splitting them with Planned Parenthood and Emily's List. Um, so those of you who don't know Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab, you should get to know them. Their stuff is pretty awesome. Those sound like something that's right up my alley, so I'm going to definitely check that out. So yeah, you would like more? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I was, I was actually I was going to say you would like it. You would like it, nasty woman. You would dig it. But I was also going to ask you, is there anything you want people to know about that's happening in business, in your business world? Oh, any, yeah. You well, know, that new classes, be... books, maybe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a book coming out on November 1st. It's the Tarot Coloring Book. And I am going to be doing a little mini book tour in the beginning of November. I'm going to be visiting the Eye of Horus in Minneapolis. I'm so excited because I love Minneapolis. I will be visiting a Barnes & Noble in Cincinnati. And I will be also at the Boston Tea Room uh, with the lovely Heather Lee Navarre. We've had her on a show before to teach two classes. So those are the big things coming up for me. What about you, Bree? Anything new, classes, projects? You know, there's there the one thing that is up that is new is I have the devotional candle service for the year is now open. And I'm, I open it early because we get busy, busy with the holidays. So one candle a month lit on the full moon. Um, petitions change every month, what you want, setting your intention. And then you get a report that tells you how the candle burned and what other steps you might want to take, both magical and practical. So that's up and live for those who want to bring a little bit more magic into their year. I love that service, so I was really happy to, like, open it back up. And that's pretty much it. That's a great service, too, by the way, so I think people should get in on that. So before we sign off, a real happy reminder, if you love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. You can just go to thetarolady.com and hit on the tab called Free Resources, and you want to hop on down to Podcasts and then click on Talking Shop. You'll find all the jazz there. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. When you search iTunes, you want to look for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. And if you like Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, on iTunes, please mark us with a nice little five-star rating. We would really, really love that. And Bree, where can they find it on your site? 
You guys, I made it so easy for you now. Same deal. So go to briannashockey.com, hit the free resources tab, and it is right there on the page. Okay, so that's a wrap for this episode. And what about next month, Bri? Yes, you guys. Oh, this is like Teresa and Bri go crazy. Next month, we're talking all about planning, which we both love so much. So we're going to be discussing basic business planning, um, laying out your year, goal setting, the do's and the don'ts with goal setting. Planning is our secret sauce. I do think it's a big part of why we've been as successful as we have been as long as we have been. And now we are going to share that sauce with you all. So this will happen on Wednesday, November 30th at 8 p.m. Central Time. So until then, you guys, thank you so much for listening tonight. Love, love, love the questions that came in. Um, you guys can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. Bree, where can they find you again? You can find me at briannasaucy.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Keep taking action to build the mystical business of your dreams. We know that you can. Good night.